listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. guys if you don't know who i am i'm mikey um i get to work with sam and aj and they asked me and said hey would you do a talk i said yeah i'd love to uh so buckle up you know this is gonna be a long one because it's me so uh you're welcome uh um but we're gonna be in first corinthians 15 if you want to be there be there um if you don't i can't make you but i think you should go there because it is absolutely the most fascinating maybe not the most but one of the most fascinating chapters in the entire bible uh, it talks about dead bodies coming to life, resurrection. It talks about the logic behind it and explains in a lot of ways what this is going to look like. So a question I want you guys to be thinking about uh, is do you guys believe the world is complete? Do you believe that you are complete? Are you a finished, polished product? Do you believe that this planet is perfect? Do you believe that you are perfect? You see, none of us probably would answer yes to any of those questions because we all know deep down inside of us that something has gone wrong. There is a curse, right? There is something that is off-centered. Just this week in Memphis, there was a 34-year-old woman who actually went to um, Sam's church, and she was kidnapped uh, this past weekend. And her body was found, I think, Monday. Um, Her life was taken. Something is wrong. Uh, There is no reason for that. It was just a random act. Of crime. I saw a documentary uh, maybe a few years ago about a father who drove his children out into the middle of nowhere, murdered them, and threw their bodies into silos on an abandoned farm. There's a, the biggest industry in the world uh, is pornography, and it abuses human beings. There is a video going around right now. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's a YouTuber, um, TikToker who has $1,000 and $10,000. Have you guys seen this? And he walks up to random strangers from Walmart and he says, have you guys seen this? Have you seen this? It's, per- it's pretty interesting. He, he, asks, he gives people two options. And maybe you put yourself in this situation. Would you, he says, you can have the $1,000 right now or you can give away $10,000. Do, and do you know what most people picked? They, took, they chose the 1000 in this video that I saw. Pretty much everyone did. Um, chose to keep the 1000 for themselves. Doesn't that seem just off? Like, it's like, okay, I understand. Like, we all need, I need a thousand bucks, right? You need, you know, I'll just take it. I can give it away to somebody. It, but doesn't that seem just a little off? There's something, there's something wrong, right? There, just that our natural inclination is just to be like, yeah, give me the grain. I can, you know, and instead give it away. Doesn't it feel like this planet is just a little off center, a little incomplete? So we started off. AJ talked about that God is good. It makes a very good world, creation. But sin enters, right? We rebel against God and his goodness. 
Therefore, in a desperate, and which is called the fall, right? And therefore, in a desperate need for redemption, we have Jesus, right? As that's what Sam talked about last week. And so Jesus comes to earth. And what does Jesus do on earth? He heals the sick, raises the dead, and defeats sin and death. And then he rises from the dead, right? We put our trust in him. But there's still something off, right? Like all of that has happened. But there's still something incomplete. The people that Jesus healed on earth still got sick later and died. The people that he rose from the dead also died. The disciples who lived and walked with Jesus are dead. And you and I, who believe in Jesus, if you do, we're still sinners. We still get sick. And one day, we're going to die. So what's next in this story that God has been writing throughout space, time, and history? What's next for your story? I mean, we live on this planet. It's incomplete. We've been on a journey through the entirety of the biblical story, and we're at the very end. This is where we're headed. This is the target. This is what we're looking forward to. Do you guys know what it is? It is amazing. Absolutely incredible. It's called consummation. And that's a big word. And it's, it's, I had to look it up in the dictionary, so just so you guys know. Um, but this consummation part of the story, it's the final act, the final step. And guess what? We are living on the verge of it, the cusp of it in the biblical story. We're part of the story that we've been talking about from creation, fall, redemption. We're in this part between redemption and consummation. You're part of it. You're part of it. It's this step between God making his, taking his creation from incompletion to completion. It's the journey that we are on as Christians. And it's the day when all things will be made new and we're with Jesus forever. What does consummation mean? It's, the, it's actually a marriage term. Who's in here married? Anyone? Used to. Used to be a married guy. Hey, listen, it's worth it. Marriage is a good thing. It means the action. So consummation, listen closely. It's the action of making a marriage or a relationship complete. Okay? In a relationship, you have steps, right? Some of you guys are in the very early stages of those steps, even here, as I speak, right? Um, first, you meet the person, and you think, okay. That girl, she cute. That boy, he cute. He got, he got, he's got a nice jawline, okay? Okay, he's got some muscles. Then you talk, you talk to your friends, you get together, and you guys come up with a plan to what? Get their snap, right? It's not even get their numbers, get their snap. You gotta get, the, right? Do we do snap? Is that, am I past? Snap, no one does snap anymore. Do. What? Get your be real, get the be real. So then you get the snap, you get the number, you start talking, you realize you like talking, you got some things in common. So you go hang out, then you date, then you get engaged. Do people date anymore? Is that a thing? Boyfriend, girlfriend status? Okay, that's the thing. Um, then you get engaged, right? Whoa, that's big time. That's big money, all right? You get engaged. Then you take vows on your wedding date, and the mar- your relationship is still not complete, even after your vows. You guys understand this, right? Are you following me? On the wedding, but the final step of you completing your relationship is sex on your wedding night. The final step is the action step that married people take that make the relationship complete. It's called, this is called consummation. When a husband and wife on their wedding night have sex, they have completed their journey to finding each other and doing life together forever. I mean, just a quick side note. That's why. Sex is incredibly valuable, important, and so good. 
especially in this context. And that's why you should wait till the very end of a relationship to have it. Sex is the outward and physical symbol of two people becoming one, okay? This is part of God's plan for us to be one with him. In Revelation, the last book in the biblical story, what does it talk about? It talks about a wedding. At the end of time, there is a bride and there is a groom and they are getting married. Now, it's figurative language. The bride is God's people. It's you. It's the church. It's those who belong to him. And the groom is Jesus. And Jesus and the church are finally becoming one, coming together, being completed in one another. We have found the love of our life. The last words that the groom says at the end of the Bible, the very last words that Jesus has said to us is this. Do you know what they are? This is the last time Jesus was recorded speaking. He says, I am coming soon. Jesus has promised that he's coming and in his second coming, all things will be completed. Consummation. Everything will be fully redeemed. You will get sick no more. There will be no more death. There will be no more tears. But right now, We're in the already, but not yet. We're in the in-between, the tension of knowing that that's coming, but it hasn't yet come. We live in a world that this promise um, has been given to us. This redemption has been given to us, but yet it's not fully redeemed. We're not fully redeemed yet in our bodies and in our souls. So we and I, you and I are going through our lives living in completely. We feel this every single day. Every single day you wake up in the morning and you're tired still. Something's wrong. I have to go to school. We spend a lot of time trying to have a life that is fulfilling, right? We try to fill that void, but always empty. We're always empty. We're always suffering and we're always uncomfortable. And it's incredibly hard. Some of you guys have exams tomorrow. It's incredibly difficult. Hopefully though, by God's grace, we mature in our faith and become more like Jesus. Each and every day, we become more and more like Jesus. But what happens in the end? We still die, right? Our bodies, they still fall apart. We're still incomplete. Will we go to our graves in faith, believing that Jesus is coming soon? Believing that even though we die, that one day we will be made full and alive forever. So I'm going to read to you guys a passage. 1 Corinthians 15. Are you guys ready? This is verses 12 through 28. If you, are, um, if you have your Bible out, I would love for you to read along, but you don't have to. But listen closely. This is fascinating. I mean, this is such a clear picture. If you're curious about life after death, resurrection, the dead, bless you. You are blessed by the Lord. Listen, um, listen closely. Now, if Christ, if Jesus is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the, of the dead? But there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then the preaching that I'm even preaching right now is in vain. And you are foolish. Your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he is raised. But if he's not raised, and if it's true that the dead don't come back to life, For the dead are not raised, not even Jesus has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins and there is no hope. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished for good. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. 
He's saying we're the biggest fools if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. But in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he's the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep, which means have gone to the grave, died. For as by a man came death, who's he talking about? What's part of the story? For by a man has come death, one man. By a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Jesus shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Jesus is the first fruit. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. Which who are his enemies? Those who are not, who don't belong to him. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he's accepted who put, he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Essentially saying that Jesus puts everything under his feet and God reigns over all things. For the first time in human history, Bear with me, guys, just for a little bit. This gets a little complicated. But if you pay attention, I really think this is going to make a lot of sense. For the first time in human history, a man has come back from the dead. It's it's never been done um, before, and it's still alive to this moment. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, and he's made a promise to us that he's going to come back to earth. If this is not true, then nothing matters. You've got to listen to this. Look at verses 17 through 18. If Christ has been raised, then all of this... If Christ has not been raised, then all of this is meaningless. We are still in our sins. We are not rescued. Sin wins. Death wins. And that's it. That's it. Nothing else. This is a joke. You're a joke. The fact that you even care about people is a joke. It does not matter. There's no hope whatsoever. Go live for yourself. Make yourself happy as much as possible. Do whatever it takes because that's all you got. And then you die and see you later. But if Jesus has been raised from the dead, then it changes everything. One of the biggest reasons why I believe that this is all true, and I struggle with this. I'm being straight up honest with you guys. It's really hard sometimes to make the jump that someone is rose from the dead, went up into heaven, and is sitting at the right hand of God. I'm straight up telling you, it is hard for me. But you know what always gives me comfort and security in this? Listen very closely. This is, I, just always hits me. It was crazy to the disciples too. The people who actually saw him in person, who actually walked and lived with him. They saw him literally raise people from the tomb. They, they, he would go to a graveyard and say, come out. And people would come out of the grave. They saw Jesus do that. And then Jesus is under trial to be crucified And they've seen these crazy things that he's done in person with their own eyeballs. And they're like, yeah, man, I'm not. I'm not dying with you, my guy. I'm not going there. All his his closest friends. Peter was asked three times, his closest friend was asked three times, do you know Jesus? And he said no. And you want to know why he said no every single time? Because if he said yes, what would happen to him? He would be crucified with his best friend, Jesus. And Peter's like, I'm not doing that. Guy's crazy. Not gonna lie. Guy thinks a lot of crazy things. He told people to eat his own flesh. I'm just saying right now, guy's nuts. I don't know that guy. All right? Let's crucify. Like, seriously, abandoned him. All the disciples abandoned him. But then, 
How does Peter's life end? He didn't die with Jesus in person. When he was looking right across from him, they were with him. He wouldn't die with him in person. He wouldn't die on the cross right next to Jesus. But how does his life end? This is historical fact. Peter dies following Jesus after Jesus has been crucified, and he dies on a cross, and he dies upside down, alone. Seems like something happened to Peter. How does all, how do 10 other disciples die? How do 10 other disciples, who they were not willing to give their life for Jesus in the person, right then and there, nah, don't believe that this guy is any sort of God, not willing. But then they die, all of them die following Jesus, give up their life at a young age, younger than me. They die. What happened to them? And this is where I find comfort. And this is what Paul talks about. They saw Jesus risen. They saw a man crucified. They saw a man in a tomb. And then they saw him again later alive. And they're like, it's worth it. I'm done. I'm, that's enough. I will go to the cross too. I will follow Jesus. That is it. A lot of people. And a lot of people in the church have been doing that since. Without ever seeing Jesus in the flesh. Mostly because those guys saw him and testified. That's what I cling to. They were willing to give up their lives. They weren't willing to do it in the moment. But years later, after following Jesus, they were willing to give up their lives. In verses 21 through 22, it says this, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. You guys have any idea what it's talking about? This is all of what AJ and Sam have been talking about. Because in the next verse, in verse 22, it says, As in Adam all die, also Jesus shall all be made alive. So let's follow this with me, okay? What did you have, um, what did you have being born into, what, did, what say did you have, what control did you have being born into this cursed world where you live and grow old and die, right? You didn't have a say. You didn't have any control of what you were going to be, what was going to happen, when you were going to be born. And so you're at this point in the story after the fall. And, and the reason for that is because you're the son of Adam. You're the daughter of Adam. You are born forth from a man who sinned against God and you are cursed because he is cursed. Okay? That's what's happening here. So then the logic follows. If that's the logic, then how can the curse be broken? It can also be broken by one man who never sins but yet dies, who never sins, yet pays the penalty of sin. If in Adam all of us are born into sin, then in Jesus all of us can be born again. That's what he's talking to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3. You guys know the story. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus like, what's this whole thing about? And Jesus is like, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, i got to go back into my mother's room and be reborn. He's like, no, no, no. You have to be born in the Spirit. It has to be born of you. And that can be done through me. Jesus inherits your death. And you inherit his eternal life. That's what Paul's saying here in these verses. This is the plan towards consummation. This is how this is all happening. And then I'm going to read to you guys verses 35 through 58. This is so important. This is so important. Um, this part right here. I mean, this is literally, and I really just, if you have time to just read over this, this is so fascinating um, what Paul explains, because I think it's, it's rather simple. Something very complex explained very simply. 
verses 35 through 58. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised from, from the, um, how are those raised from the dead? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. The God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. And then we're gonna skip down to 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, our bodies, but what is raised after our bodies die is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, but raised in a spiritual body, which is more real than your natural body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Talking about Jesus. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, which is Jesus, is from heaven, born from above. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust, which is us. And as is this man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, which is Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven if we believe in him. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. It's a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. This is so amazing. We will all be changed in our deaths, like a twinkling, like in a moment, like the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, hold fast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of God, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The resurrection is compared to agriculture. Okay, you guys following me here? Farming, farmers, till the land and the soil and prepare it for what? What do they prepare the soil for? For seeds, okay? And they scatter the seeds into the soil, cover them up. And then in a few days, what sprouts forth of those seeds? What comes out of the ground? It's a plant. What though has happened to the seed? If you were to dig the plant up, you would not see the seed anymore. It has died in the ground. You guys following me here? This, this is the concept of your body. It's a seed. It will be buried in the ground and it will die, but something will be born from it. Especially if you're in Jesus, you'll be born as a new creation. You see, the plant cannot be born unless the seed dies. If the seed doesn't die, then there is no plant. Are we following? This is what Paul is saying. This is not me. The idea that Paul is pointing out is, yes, the earthly body is going to die. Yes, we are incomplete. We'll be buried in the ground. But Jesus is not going to forget you. And a day will come forth from that moment that you'll be born again. And your body will be raised up like a plant, piercing through the soil. And you will be made new and it will be transformed. You're not going to look like a seed. You're going to look new, but recognizable. It's kind of like this. You know, you're like, okay, where else do we see this? Okay, get it, seed, plant. It's like a caterpillar, right? A caterpillar builds a cocoon, a grave, and goes into it. And what comes out of the grave? A completely different animal, a butterfly. But it's all the same. It's a new creature, transformed. So it is the same for us. We will be buried and put in the grave. 
But Jesus says, I'm coming for you. It's called consummation. I'm going to finish the job. And what will come forth from your body will be something new. It's a mystery. Don't understand it. But it will happen and you will be transformed. This hasn't been done yet, but it will. And we saw it with Jesus. He was the first fruit. He was the first fruit on the tree saying, this is what's coming. I'm coming and it's going to be a new body. And it's a promise that he's made to us. God has made many promises throughout space, time, and history. It's all written through the Bible. And guess what? He's kept every single one of them. There's not one time he has missed a promise. And our society bases a lot of things on precedent. You have to prove that you're trustworthy. What God's proven, he's trustworthy. He's followed through on all his promises. It's actually historical fact. You can fact check it, check it. You can look into the history books. You can look at other authors. And he's made promises and it has happened for his people. And they're prophecies. It's, it's amazing. As Christians, we long for the most Jesus. We don't long for Christmas, although that's nice. I can't wait. Gonna get me a new thing for my truck. I can't long. We long for graduation. We long for college. We long for marriage. We long for a career and a family. But what do we long for the most as a Christian? We long for Jesus. It's not necessarily wrong to long for those other things, but they will all come and pass. But Jesus will always be there, and we long to be with Him face to face. We long for sad things to come untrue. We long for everything to make sense. We long for consummation and completion. Why do people cry when others die? I, it really fascinates me. Like when I go to a funeral and see other people crying, they're not Christian. I'm like, why do you care? Everyone dies. Why can't we just make it normal? Like, <laughs> everyone dies. Cool. Like, like, you know, it's like the one thing that always happens. And like, can we not just make it like a normal thing? I mean, it's been happening forever. Everyone's dying. And yet every time someone dies, we act like this is like some big deal. Like big deal. You died, he died, she died. Well, guess what? We all die. Like, why do we care? Why do we cry? Why does it make us sad? The reason is because inside of all of us, whether Christian or non-Christian, something is off. Something doesn't feel right. Something's not normal. No matter how hard we try to make it normal and get comfortable with it, it's never comfortable. It always makes us weep. It always makes us cry. Because deep down, all of us know that something is wrong. And we really want it to be fixed. And we really want it to be made right. So who's going to do it? Jesus has promised to us, to you, just like he promised to Abraham. When he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He did it. Just like he promised to the Israelites, or sorry, the people of God, he promised to them, he said, I will give you a land. And he gave them a land. And just like he promised to the, the Israelites when they had a king and they were going into exile because of their, the, kings of their, the, the sin of their kings, and he said, guess what? There will be a king that will redeem you out of exile. And then he promises us through Jesus, the church, that he's coming back and he's gonna make it right and bring it to completion. But listen, Abraham did not live to see that to happen. Do you understand that? God's people, generation after generation, did not live to see. They were enslaved for 400 years. That means a lot of people were born in slavery and died in slavery and never had that freedom. But they had the promise. Many people lived in exile for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after their kingdom fell and their king was destroyed having faith that the king would come to redeem it. And Jesus did come. But many of them lived and died, never seeing it happen, but they had faith. 
And us as the church for thousands of years have been waiting for Jesus to come back. And he said, I'm coming back soon. And if he said that 2,000 years ago, how close are we now to the completion of the mission that God has set forth? It's an urgent time that you live in. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. God has kept every single one of his promises and there's one last one remaining. I was watching, I mean, I'm just totally just going way over. So that's what I do though. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I I do you want me to end it? I can end it. I have like another story. I can end it. I close it down, shut it down. Tell us that. You good? All right, we'll close it down. We'll close it down. I won't share the story. It's about the return of the king, Lord. Dang it. And so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on. Pretty much, this is what God says to us in Revelation twenty one three through four. This is His promise. Listen, this is your promise. If you are a believer in here, this is your promise to get through the day today, the re- to get through the rest of this, but to get through to get through tomorrow. This is it. I mean, this is what God has promised you. And this is what you get to tell to your kids. This is what I get to tell them trip and loop. This is what I get to tell to them when I'm on my deathbed. I get to look at them as I fall to sleep. I get to say these words to them. Listen. Behold, God is with man. And one day he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe every tear from your eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have died that's your promise that is what consummation is going to look like it's a mystery we can try to imagine it it's impossible though but I'm clinging to this with all I got. Will you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, 